I'm interested to see where the North Carolina offense goes, not like the rest of this year, but in the future, because... For sure. They return a lot. They return a lot for one, but having obviously watched them when they played Miami and a couple other games as well, when they dial up deep shots, he's a different person. Yeah. Like it's seen, like, you, I mean, he's like, okay, he's a good player. He'll, you know, hit his intermediate throws, his check downs, you know, he'll move around a little bit. But when they dial up something vertical, Sam Howell, it's just like, you know, I don't know. It's, it's like the Mario invincibility star. You know, you say ding, 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 ding. I mean, because he just stands there and that ball, I mean, like it, you just watch him the next time that he throws something short and the next time he throws something deep. It looks like a different person. Welcome to an ACC podcast, uh, recapping week 13 in the ACC. I'm Lauren Brownlow. Um, I wasn't really sure who I was going to have on to join me this week. <laughs> um, and then as I'm and I was watching Duke Wake for work, um, not not as a form of self-care, because um, I would not have walked, watched it super closely without that being like something I had to do for my job. But on my second TV, um, I immediately needed to have on FIU Miami, or I guess Miami FIU is the technical terminology there because Miami was like technically at FIU, however you want to phrase that. Um, and yeah, that didn't go well um, for Miami. And so I, I wanted to have Cam Underwood on from State of the U. Great guest we've had on before uh, to join me and talk about what happened. Uh, and yeah, so Cam, what, what, what was that? Uh, it, bad. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> Terrible. I think I saw. A I, I think I saw a stat that they have no wins against teams until Miami against teams with more than one win. Is that right? Who Miami? FIU. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They have not beaten a team with more than one win on the year. And conversely, Miami has not beaten a team that's under five hundred. So we've lost to you know <laughs> to bad teams. I mean, well, I mean, with the exception of Carolina is technically under 500, I believe, because they're five and six. But yeah, right. that's I, I'm giving you that one. <laughs> Virginia Tech. And, you know, like, I mean, OK, you lose yep. to Florida, who's like pretty good. But I mean, like, yeah, it's just I mean, OK. And so that maybe was fudged a little bit on the stat because obviously those teams were zero and zero, you know, in the season opener. But I mean, as the year has gone on, like it's been bad teams who have beaten Miami. Um yeah, it's uh, not great, Bob. Not I mean, great. I just I guess I just don't really understand because it just seemed like Miami was on the uptick. You know, Miami was things were going better, like the offense was going better. Jaron Williams was getting better. I, I guess I just don't. I, I mean, I, I guess it's too simplistic to say what happened, but I, I don't understand. I, I don't I don't understand what could have gone so wrong against a team that's just frankly not very good. It's going to sound like a platitude, but literally and seriously, I mean this. Everything. Everything went wrong. Uh, Miami is 0-3 after bye weeks this year. What? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, getting outscored. Um, I don't know what the stat is right now. I could actually probably look up. Um, if you give me two seconds, but coming off of bye weeks, lost 25 to North Carolina. They lost 42 to 35 to Virginia Tech, and then they lost 30 to 24 to FIU coming off of the three bye weeks in the season. Um, and it's actually. And, and I guess like, for, yeah, Virginia Tech and FIU have one thing in common in that it took y'all a while to show any signs of life offensively. Yeah, in I mean, games, in North yeah. Carolina, you know, yeah. a little bit of that same thing. Um, and it's even worse because, and yeah. I don't have like the the quarter by quarter scores in front of me, but a lot of that um, imbalance of scoring was in the first quarters of these games. So you come off of a bye, having extra time to prepare uh -huh. and let the other team just boat race you. Like Virginia Tech, Jerry Williams throws three interceptions in his first 13 passes. They're up 28 nothing. Uh, before we can even blink. And okay, the fourth turnover of that game was on Nikosi Perry's first play, but he threw a little speed out to Mike Harley. Mike Harley fumbles the ball on Kosi Perry's first play of that game against Virginia Tech. It, I mean, like, it, you, you, if you were late to your seat at Hard Rock Stadium for that game because you were in line to grab a beer, <laughs> you showed up at your chair and was like, what in the world is 
are you, huh? You know, and it was just, it's that same kind of thing. And like, honestly, everything just has been very bad. Um, you know, it's, it's another time where you just simply got out coached, just circles run around you. And you think, okay, Jaron Williams set a record for Miami football and tied the ACC record with six touchdown passes against Louisville running heavy RPOs, you know, because he likes the RPO slant and everything. So FIU basically said, we're going to take that pass away, that RPO slant. And I've said this on other podcasts. I've written it. I said, when Jaron Williams did not play as a, re- as a true freshman last year, I said the game was a little too fast because he wanted to pull the RPO slant. But then there would be a linebacker who flash of a different color uniform. I mean, it was in the spring game, but you saw him go, oh, wait, whoa, there, there's a guy there. That was the Jaron Williams that we saw against Virginia Tech. That was the Jaron Williams that we saw yesterday because he threw three more interceptions and two of them. Uh, I think all three of them might have even been on RPO slants. The first one, D. Wiggins runs into a, a defensive back because, duh, we're going to stand where you're trying to go. You know, you're a basketball person. It's just like, yeah, I want to run this UCLA cut. No, I'm going to be in your way and not let you run that. Yeah. So he stops. Boom. Falls right there to the defender. Another time throws in the triple coverage because he pulls it and says, oh, this linebacker is flowing down. Nope. He took one false step to bait you into that throw and you hit him between the five and the eight of his jersey. You know what I mean? It was just it is it is confounding. And FIU was abjectly yep. terrible 117th i believe or 114th in the country stopping the run why in the world are you not running the ball down their throats every single play miami ran the ball 31 times only for 164 yards you're 5.3 per k why are you not running the ball and this yeah. is why in the, in the stats were a little misleading for fiu because they were 12th in the country against the pass but when you're 114th or whatever against the run Teams aren't going to pass against you. They're going to run it and run it and run it until you stop it. Why are you not doing this? Right. Why? It exactly. Just, it, was, it, was, <laughs> it was so confounding. And, I, I, you know, the last time I was on, I was talking about, hey, the Miami offensive line went from terrible to bad and bad to mediocre, which are two very good forward steps. Regression to the mean. Oh, man. I mean, you're, you're way back where you started. I mean, it's just everything that could have went wrong absolutely and totally did. You just you gift them the ball. You gift them the idea early in the game that they can compete. Yep. And in a game like that, that matters a lot. Exactly. I mean, they're playing on emotion to begin with. We all know that. There's so many guys on the FIU team who, I mean, honestly, Miami started to recruit them as like a you know third or fourth option at their uh, position and decided. Eh, they're not actually Miami caliber. Dorian Hall, a free safety who had an interception that was wiped off because of uh, defensive pass interference. He's from South Broward High School here in um, Hollywood, Florida. He's a guy who got an offer for Miami late because he blew up as a senior because he only played a year and a half high school football. Anthony Jones, Dalvin Cook's brother. He's another guy who Miami offered super duper late because he was like a a tier five, you know, prospect after we missed on so many guys. But all these dudes, like, obviously, they're going to be hyped up for this game. And you see them talking their stuff after the game and everything. Oh, we're calling them the, the, the university in Coral Gables. And da, da, da. I honestly, I first of all, they earned the right to talk because they went out there and they accomplished that for me right now. You know, the kick, the kicker did a throat slash. I couldn't even believe it. The kicker did a throat slash, and his younger brother is committed to Miami as a 2021 player, and he routinely hits 50 and 60 yard kicks in high school. Yeah, in high school right now. So Stop of it. course Stop. they're going to go to each other, and I'm sure the Jose, who's the older brother, is going to go to Andres and say, "I'm hey, dying." What's going on? I mean, like, of course you're talking all that stuff, and you earn the right to do that. Run it back. Put him on the schedule again right now. I don't want to <laughs> just. I mean, put him on the yeah. schedule. Because I need to play them, not like in 2031, 2033. Put them on the schedule for next year. I don't care who you need to take off. Put them on the schedule right now. Because I... Oh, I know. This is beautiful. I, I love this. Like, this is... And not... This isn't to pile on. But, like, I wanted your honest perspective on this. And, like, I, I didn't expect to be Googling Manny Diaz buyout, like, at this point in the year. <laughs> but there I was. Right? <laughs> 
I mean, yeah, but here we are. Do we, you know, but we don't and, know first that, of all, right? Because it's private school. Exactly. Yeah. It's going to be undisclosed because Miami is a private school, yeah. so they don't have to give any compensation numbers. So they don't. Uh, we know that they paid $4 million to Temple to get Manny Diaz or to buy Manny Diaz out of his contract right. there when he was the coach for 18 days or, or whatever it is. But past that, no. But I wrote in The Good, The Bad, The Ugly after the game. And honestly, I started early writing because usually if it's like a a, a tightly contested game, like a Florida State game, or one that I think is going to be tightly contested, I will like maybe put a couple notes in editorial and really watch the game. But then I'll take, you know, an hour, hour and a half, two hours afterwards to cull through everything and rewatch a little bit and pull tweets and videos and da, 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 and make it this comprehensive kind of thing. I started early on FIU because I was like, oh, we're going to blow them out. Like, duh, of course. And then things started to go sideways. And I was like, wait a minute. And I stopped writing a little bit. And then honestly, it's one of the shorter recaps or, you know, grades pieces I've ever written. Cause I was like, what do you want me to say? You know, like I can dig into the numbers. We can talk about all of these things. Miami lost to FIU point blank period. That's the end of the story. Yeah. I don't care about chapters one through 23. That's the last page of this book from yesterday. <laughs> Boom. Like that, that's all I really need to say. I mean, it's just, it is, it is so bad. And I wrote in there, you know, and like, of course, I give the grades. And when something is as bad as it is, I've gotten in the habit of giving an F triple minus. Um, <laughs> so offense, defense and special teams got F triple minuses. And I felt bad. And I specifically singled out Lewis Headley, the punter, because he averaged 52 yards a punt. Also, like, I love him so much. He's the best. Oh, my God. I mean, he's, you know, he's massive and, you know, tattooed. And, you know, he was uh, uh, a construction worker and a tattoo shop owner in Bali, you know, or whatever. Like, yeah, no, he's great. And I said that. I was like, I'm going to give him credit where credit is due. Yeah, he was great. Yet and still, like, we lost to FIU. Like, you're lumped in with everybody else. And right. for the coaching grade, this is the second time this year I've written this. And the other one, you might remember, was after the Georgia Tech loss. Yeah, I yeah, said, yeah. coaching is fireable. And I'm not, and what I mean by that is some things need to change. I'm not saying to throw the baby out with bathwater and fire Manny Diaz and the entirety of the staff and things, although there are some who feel that way. And honestly, at this point today, I cannot really blame them. But what we saw from Miami yesterday is absolutely a fireable offense. Coming off of a bye to FIU, who had never, ever in the history of that university beaten a Power 5 team. That team, oh my God. ever in the history of their school. This I didn't is, know that. Oh. oh, yeah. I mean, no. If you, if you want to look at the worsts for Miami and the bests for FIU, that's what's going to align at this current time. So you find a way to do that after your third bye week and you've lost all of these games this year. You thought that you had this momentum. You're talking about, oh, yeah, boom. Um, another one, hashtag, you know, TNM. Oh, we got another commit. We got another commit. This you were on the road recruiting and forgot that you had a game, maybe. You know what I mean? Like there yeah. is there is so much to hate. Miami is dead last, 130th out of 130 teams in third down conversions on offense. Are you kidding Ugh. me? And this is something that Mark Richt was derided for, that Al Golden was derided for, and that percentage or that placement when those guys coached here was in the 50s and 60s. Would God that it would be that good right now? Because we're My God, dead they were last. One of 10 yesterday. Woof. One of 10 on Oof. third. Oh of three on fourth. What are you doing? No, this is mm. unacceptable. And that's why I said that the coaching grade is fireable because what we have and what we saw and the way that this team played cannot stand. Somebody or somebody's plural on that coaching staff need to be reassigned or they need to be let go and told thank you for their time and find somebody else to be in here. Whether that's Danny knows the offensive coordinator, whether that's Blake, the defensive coordinator or anybody else in between. This staff cannot maintain or maintain the comp uh, composition that it currently has. That is absolutely fireable, 100%. And then for this to be the second engagement of this kind this year, or third, if you want to yeah. back it up to North Carolina, absolutely not. And I refuse to sit idly by and say that and accept this. No, I won't. No, I you're you're not wrong. I love. That. I mean, I I think no. like like you said, they're not firing Manny over this. Like not right now, no, not but it is it's certainly something that goes in the ledger, right? Like it's something that you 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 note and you're like, um. So when it comes time to potentially do that, you go, oh hey, and this happened. Honestly, Georgia Tech was kind of fluky to me, and North Carolina, I think, is 
you know, at least a, a touch better than its record um, would, it would maybe indicate. But like, yeah, this one to me was one that I had no defense for, honestly. No, I mean, like I, I had no There is no defense for it. And everybody wants to say, you know, like, oh, well, you know, it hasn't been that bad or blah, blah, blah. Al Golden lost on the road at Cincinnati in 2015 and people called for his head then. This is worse than that. This is the worst loss in the history of the program. Wow. And I don't want to hear about the Clemson loss. Clemson was yep. a playoff team. I don't want to hear about the last game in the Orange Bowl. That Virginia team was actually good. And they're an ACC team. You lost to FIU and were down by two scores the majority of the day. What are we talking about here? Like, how are you? How are people missing this point of the magnitude of terrible that this is? This is not App State at Michigan. That team was the FCS national champion. That App State team, if they were on the field yesterday against Miami, they're better than FIU. They're so much better. Yeah. They would have scored fifty. It, it, it. I'm sorry. I'm ranting. I know that I'm mad, and I know that you brought me in to be mad and rant. But like, bro, <laughs> like I'm so, I'm so angry, and I'm angry with people who who are accepting this. I'm angry with people who are going overboard and just saying, okay, like get rid of everybody. Miami still has talent on this squad. And the fact that they're not playing up to yeah, it for sure. is where my discomfort comes yeah, from. Yeah, No, I, I hear you. I mean, I guess there's some like potential, like, Hey, maybe Manny has a little bit of a learning curve as a, I don't know. I got nothing else. I, I, got <laughs> I mean, look, your learning curve. Yeah. <laughs> your, your, your learning curve grace that I will give you. That was Virginia Tech. That was North Carolina. You know and what Georgia I mean? Tech. Well, Georgia Tech's your mulligan. Yeah. Georgia Tech, that's not even a mulligan. Like, that's one, and that team being that bad, that's one that's like, you should have learned that lesson already from Virginia Tech right. and from North Carolina. That's an indicator of a problem. This one, this is not a growing pain. Yeah. This like is you like, were talking about. yeah. This is, this is a note. This is the, I won't even say first, but this is a line on the list of reasons that you get fired. This yeah. is not a learning experience. No, I'm sorry. Right. And, uh, and I think Georgia Tech gets like added to that parenthetically, like once this has happened, because it's like, oh, twice after a bye, you lose to a bad team. That you have no business losing to. So, right. And yeah. I mean, Georgia Tech was not after a bye, but they beat Miami. Oh, OK. And yeah. then either way. And, and then they lost for a month straight until this past right. weekend. Like it. Yeah, it's not good. Not good, Bob. Not good at all. Well, that'll take us actually to to state Georgia Tech. Um, state had to win that game to have a hope of uh, of staying alive for what we hoped here locally would be a reason for next week to be meaningful. Um, but alas, in triangle football, that's not the case ever. Um, so, so we do not get our bowl bowl. But uh, it's going to be what uh, our my producer Nada has dubbed the player haters ball, nice. player haters bowl so to speak, because like, that's what it is around here. Like basically instead of being like the winner gets something of, of note, it's like the really only opportunity is for state to ruin something good for North Carolina. And that's really what triangle football has sort of become. It's like, let's just take a crap on something good that anyone has done, whether it's like, you know, when app state gets good around here, people lose their minds and they're like, well, they're in the sun build. It doesn't mean anything. I'm like, I'm sorry that your team is bad. Like you don't just get to like crap on app state because your team isn't good. Like, you know, you've had plenty of chances to do things and you, you guys can't do anything and you can't beat Georgia Tech on a Thursday night to get to a bowl game. Like, I don't want to hear I don't want to hear you whining about how much t like easier App State has it. Like, right. I don't. Um, and that that's sort of, yeah, State had the chance to do that and they came out flat. And that, that surprised me because I thought they played well against Louisville um, the week before and I thought they would come out better. They did not. They had a make a comeback to even make it close against Georgia Tech. And yeah, it was, I mean, look, Georgia Tech is, was getting it together before Virginia Tech a little bit. It seemed like, like they were, you know, they, they got some semblance of offense against Virginia and NC state has a ton of defensive injuries. Um, so I know that I knew that was going to be a factor, but like it just, ugh, just whatever could go wrong, went wrong. And, like you were saying with my, it was, it was not unlike that for NC state. It was just like, they finally got some turnovers, but they couldn't really do much with them. And yeah, I mean, all they, all they have left is to ruin, uh, to ruin North Carolina. Yeah, season, and I mean, it was, it was interesting because, you know, that was the Thursday night game. So I was able to watch that when you're unencumbered. Um, and yeah, like, I think I got home a little bit late and I was like, Oh, that's another game where Georgia Tech's up three scores already. Huh? What? I personally picked NC state idiot um to win that game and then you know you see them what was it fourth and 
fourth and three on the 12 and they kick a field goal. And I'm like, okay, like that's fine, but you probably should have went for it there, Dorian, you know? And then they end up getting, yeah, and their, and their kicker was hurt. So, right. I mean, you have that also, but then, you know, they make that, they get a turnover, they get a couple touchdowns. Now you got to go for two on the last one. I have no idea what play that was that they went on the, you know, the two point conversion, but I'm like, if you would have gone for it and gotten it, which, you know, the metrics say you should go, you, I mean, state could have won that game. Like not even with, yeah like a, a far leap of logic or like mental hurdles that you're going over, like a couple different things go a couple different ways, things that state controlled in that game. Even um, they could have won that. Um, and like I said, I, you know, had a rooting interest just because that's who I picked in my picks league. But uh, unfortunately they let me and you know, the NC state Wolfpack nation down. So yeah, it's uh, on deck for the player haters ball this week against North Carolina. So we'll see uh, if they're able to get it together, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, rally for the end of the season, uh, you know, that play for pride kind of thing, which is tough, you know. But yeah, it's interesting. We'll I mean, I, I saw this stat today. Uh, Josh Goodson tweeted this out that uh, uh, I think Dave Dorn is like two and two as an underdog against Carolina, and they'll, they're a seven and a half point underdog as of right now. Um, but like two of his six total wins as an underdog have actually come against UNC. So it's certainly not out of the realm of possibility. It's at NC State. North Carolina has played almost every single game this year close. Like, it's not crazy to think that they could win that game or be in it. Um, the one thing that concerns me for them, and, and, you know, it was an issue in this game, is that, like, Georgia Tech's offense, it's not sus- built to sustain drives, right? Like, it's right. going it, to, it's boom or bust. You know, they got to get big plays, and, and North Carolina is certainly capable of that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it just, like you said, it was, nothing really went well for them. Um, and, yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, uh, but yeah, so that that's that's that one. Um, Liberty, Virginia. Um, again, I know how Virginia's doing based on the panic texts I get from our friend Caroline Darney. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they were trailing early on too. And I I told her I said I told her straight up on text I was like if y'all if Bronco loses to Hugh Freeze I will never forgive Bronco <laughs> for this like straight up. Yeah, I mean, like that's it. Look, I. Far be it for me in my team's current state to make fun of anybody losing to a team that they shouldn't and a coach that they should not, um, you know, but, you know, Buckshot Calvert, their quarterback at Liberty, he's from Carroll City High School down here in South Florida. So, uh, you know, that's South Florida. Wonderful kind of, name. Oh, yeah. His real name, his given name is Steven, um, but his his nickname is Buckshot. So, yeah, uh, he's, uh, you know, a well-known uh, high school player from down here and he's, you know, found a spread offense that fits his skill set up there at Liberty. So you knew that they were going to score points, but, you know, it was going to be one of those things where after a little bit, Virginia kind of just, you know, reminded them that, hey, we're Virginia and you're Liberty, which is great, you know, and you can score, put some, you know, crooked numbers on the scoreboard, but, like, you're not going to win, you know, which is what good teams do when they play teams that they should beat, unlike the Miami Hurricanes, who, you know, don't. <laughs> yeah, and I know she, I know she's still mad at y'all because she's like, well, how did we lose to this Miami team? Yeah. And then like, you know, every time, every time y'all take a bad L, she's, she's still and the thing about, about it, it is we've helped her out with that because we've taken bad L after bad L after playing a pretty complete game against Virginia that night. It was a Friday night game, by the way, PS also as well. In addition, I want to let you guys know that I was in attendance for this game <laughs> and I was the Duncan high energy fan of the week for the Virginia game uh, with Miami down here. So they brought me on the field and put me on the Jumbotron and I jumped around and went crazy and everything. There's like probably still videos up on Twitter and my new. uh, Wait, how how did, how did you win this? It was okay. So like I was at the game and everything and people know that, you know, like I run state of the U and everything. So I was there with a friend of mine, uh, shout out to Yayo. And uh, she has like field level suite seats. So like literally like right on the field and Uh everything. So like I took a picture somewhere and these two like student interns come screaming over. They're like, hey, you're Cam Underwood from State of the U. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, we need you out here and everything, which, you know, I know that you're listening to the sound of my voice on this podcast, but it was such a departure from me as a person. Like, I'm not. I, I was a singer. Like, that was my profession for a while. I was a choir teacher and everything. I wanted to be in the group. I didn't want to ever be the solo star. So I was like the pips. I never wanted to be Gladys Knight. You know, but they were like, no, you need to be on the field. We're going to put the camera on you and like you're going to be solo out here. And it was like my heart like just started beating really fast and everything. And uh, Yayo, she was like, nah, like go do it. So I went and did it and they brought me out there in the fourth quarter and everything. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun. So that was your fun fact from uh, Miami, Virginia. Uh, 
to tide you over. But yeah, you know, Virginia beat Liberty. So that's-, <laughs> that's what are you? Were you? Uh, well, were you? Are you a bass? Like, what's your vocal part? Oh, my. I mean, are you listening? Like, of course. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. That's what I was assuming. But I just yeah. didn't, you know. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, low bass, you know, I can sing some baritone stuff. Honestly, that's what got me a scholarship or partial scholarship to Miami because I have this low voice. I walked into the choir director's office uh, during orientation uh, and I was not a music major when I started. I ended up transferring or ending up as a music major. But I went in and was like, oh, I was in choir in, in high school and whatever. Uh, I want to come in. And he like opened the door and came out in the middle of somebody's uh, audition, kicked them out, put me in. He was like, how many groups do you want to be in? I was like, I don't know. He was like, we have seven choirs. Can you be in five of them? Like the ones that don't have or that have men, uh, you know, in them. And I was like, um, I don't know, maybe two. Um, but yeah, so. always in need of a good bass or a yeah. good tenor for sure. And in, in any choir. Um. <laughs> uh, oh yeah or in any group too you know hey yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. the tenors they get the, you know the shine and everything but you know you got to have guys like me in the background holding down that baseline you know just like yeah setting the foundation for 100 percent, yeah um <laughs> yeah like you said virginia did just enough um apparently they spent a lot of the broadcast like t- t- telling the hugh freeze second chance story which i know annoyed caroline and several others um uh which is super fun i mean it's the best about college football is- right it's just so precious <laughs> Right. I mean, like it is, there is a story to be told there, but like you kind of have to tell like the, the reasons why he's on a second chance were all like self-inflicted or like self-created. You know what I mean? Like let's detail how we got here. Not just, Oh, he's, you know, (laughs) you know, trying to rebuild his career. Yeah. So what happened to that first house? You know, like what happened to that, that most recent job that you're rebuilding from? Like, you know, yeah, it is a, interesting story we all know virginia virginia tech is going to be for the coastal uh, like i've i've talked about it already in this podcast i'm not gonna i'm not gonna harp on it too much our girl caroline nice. is going um she's got to be anxious yeah and and she's gonna she's gonna come on with me in about a week to sort of recap uh her experience and look ahead to acc big 10 challenge and depending on how it goes i'm sure she'll want to talk varying degrees <laughs> of basketball or football but yeah no we'll that's see. a <laughs> Man, um, I couldn't even imagine like if Miami, Florida State, you know, was the last week of the year every single year and it ends up being for these kind of stakes. Yeah, her nerves got to be bad. And they haven't beaten uh, Virginia Tech in like this millennium. Yeah, it's been a while. 15 Ooh, years. Boy. It's 15 in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that's I, I don't envy it, but at least they have the basketball national title to fall back on, as my last guest, Joe Giglio, uh, did point out, which he's not wrong. I couldn't hate Virginia basketball more if I tried. <laughs> I would rather watch paint dry. I mean, it is so uh, uh, it's the worst kind of basketball. Oh, no. I, I No, we actually don't even really talk about it just because <laughs> I try not even to like go there with it. Um it's just the absolute worst, though. Ugh, ugh. I'm sure you and Caroline have argued about this already. So, I mean, I I enjoy it, but that's I think that's partially because, like, for me, I um, it's a little bit like hockey for me in the sense that, like, when I saw it live more and when I, you know, talked to some of the guys and like got a sense of what they were trying to do, and when they have elite offensive players, I enjoy it a lot more. When they don't have elite offensive players, it's not fun to watch either. No, it's just not. But like when they when they have you know, Malcolm Brogdon and a Justin Anderson and guys like that and Kyle Guy and, and people like that. It's it's more fun for me to watch. But look, it's you know, I get it. It's not for everybody. I understand mm, <laughs> at all. And I'm a basketball purist. And, you know, like I've played and coached and like all those things. Like I understand sure, sure. the philosophy of it. But it, I mean, to me, it is it is a worse version of watching the old Paul Johnson, Virginia Tech offense like and that was terrible to oh, me. Oh, I love like, Paul's. I, I, no, I, I no, love Paul's mm, 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 No, absolutely not. And Paul Johnson was an interesting character, but like yeah, having yeah, to watch sure. that often, no, mm, mm, it, it is infinitely worse than that. Like I can't, oh, <laughs> man, I'm sorry. See, for me, I'm way more offended by teams like, for instance, Syracuse that I feel like have no offensive plan in basketball. Oh, yeah. um, and they're playing like that. They offend me more. Like I know, I know what Virginia's plan is. So at least I can respect that. But if your plan is, is in Syracuse is to like wind the shot clock down and get into an ISO situation. I don't respect that. I don't. And they play zone, um, which is, you know, for cowards, but Hey, like, sorry. I mean, like I know Virginia gets the bad rap or whatever, but like Syracuse and like teams like that. And even Clemson to a certain degree are like way more heinous to me, but that's, you know, Fair. <laughs> um, you know, but I get it. Virginia's obviously been on a higher tier than Syracuse. So right. that's why we scrutinize it more. So I understand that part too. Yeah. But um, yes, this is our Virginia basketball <laughs> breakdown. <Sorry>. Um, 
No, you're fine. Um, Boston College Notre Dame ended up being a bigger margin than it was for most of the game, which I guess is probably good for Notre Dame because uh, Boston College was kind of hanging in there for a little bit. Uh, yeah, they were. <laughs> which surprised Yeah. I mean, I, although I don't really, I still don't know what to make of Notre Dame. We're in the second to last week of the season. I have no idea how good Notre Dame is. Um, I don't love their offense. Their defense is pretty good. Um, they re- they finally like knuckled up and ran the football against Boston College, which is the way to go. And that's why they won by as much as they won by. But, you know, I mean, <laughs> uh, it was a little nipping. Like Boston College was sitting there about to take the lead right before halftime. Like, and I was sitting there like, you good? Right. And I mean, they were up after that long forever drive in the second quarter. Uh, Boston College, that is, you know, they were up seven to six. Um you know, and then it was, it was, you know, kind of close there. And then, yeah, you know, the third quarter happened and they, you know, ex- uh, you know, stretched out the lead, uh, Notre Dame did. And it's, it was a thing where, you know, if you can, you know, shorten the game like Boston College wants to do, you know, with those two gigantic, ginormous running backs and everything, then you can kind of, uh, mitigate the talent difference a little bit you know you lean on the one thing that you do really really well and that worked for a time and then notre dame just had better athletes than them and that was able to you know bear itself out with you know 30 points in between the second and third quarters notre dame scored you know that was really the difference in the game so it did take a while for them to kind of find their footing but once they did it was a fairly easy sailing even though you know it was maybe a little bit more arduous in the journey than they would have liked. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it, it was, it went like hashtag as expected. Right. So, you know, not a whole lot to add about that. Um, I guess that, I guess uh, Boston college has to beat Pitt to get bowl eligible and, you know, in, yeah. entirely possible, honestly, like you're, and, and that, that'll get us to Pitt Virginia tech because like, I don't, I, I don't know what you make of Pitt. Like Pitt is a very strange, and they have been like this for a couple of years now. Like, and it's increasingly happened as Narduzzi's been there longer and longer. Like this team has just sort of taken on his persona, which is like kind of crazy and mad about things that they don't need to be yeah. mad about, right? Like this is the this is the I don't did they pregame scuffle with Miami? Do you remember? I don't think so. Okay, because like I know they pregame scuffled against. Duke, which mm-hmm. caught my eye, right? Like you're like, uh, no one fights Duke, um, and then like, and then they did it against Carolina, which I was like, okay, well, whatever, I guess. And then they fought Virginia Tech, and I'm like, this seems right. to be a pattern, you know? Like, and I saw like there's a video that somebody from Virginia Tech released of like this dude from Pitt, like trying to scuff up their end zone before the game and just doing stuff like that. And I'm just kind of like, I mean, it's fine, like it's whatever, right? It seems to work okay for them, I guess but i just don't really get what their deal is like why are they so mad <laughs> yeah hashtag why you mad bro yeah i don't know um it's just right and you would think that they would be well okay so they beat north carolina in overtime last week on that thursday night so you figure okay it should not have been that close but you ended up winning that game and it's easy to kind of you know, like I was talking about with Miami, it's easy to look at the the bookends of the you know book. Like, okay, the first thing we did was we scuffled, yada 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 yada. We won, so we're gonna do that again this week at Virginia Tech. But you know, Virginia Tech again buoyed by the Miami Hurricanes gifting them four touchdowns to begin the game and winning that game. They've turned around their season and they're playing you know pretty good football. Right. So I mean, I'd pick Virginia Tech to win that one. I did not expect to see a shutout, uh, but especially with Maurice French. Um, you know, still dinged up and everything. Uh, and they missed a couple opportunities. Pitt did, but, uh, no, I mean, it was the last game for Bud Foster at, uh, Virginia Tech, uh, or home in Blattsburg for him uh, as the defensive coordinator after 30 years there. So, um, you know, they got up and they played very, very well for him, uh, you know, to send him out on a high note. And, you know, Virginia Tech did pretty much, you know, just, I mean, whatever they wanted. It was, uh, you know, 28 nothing is a big score line, you know, that margin of victory, but it was like, it was definitely walking uphill in the snow. Like it was not just an easy day on the beach if, you know, uh, to get to that score. Uh, but Pittsburgh, yeah, they're, uh, I don't know, you know, they just, they're kind of up and down and all around and it's not necessarily. No, and I, I get it. Like it's, it's, you know, I, like I remember at half of the Carolina game, like Mac Brown was like, we're getting too chippy. We're getting out of our element. Like we need to settle down. And I'm telling our guys to stop yapping so much and blah, blah, blah. And Narduzzi's like, oh, no, we need to keep doing exactly what we're doing. And I'm just like, what? I don't <laughs> like. 
like for why right it's just like okay whatever dude like i guess and it's why that game was close at the end like it's because of stuff like, and i just don't get it but it's yeah they had eight first downs to 16 for virginia tech so like you said like it's nothing you know the, virginia tech didn't do anything crazy virginia tech only had 110 rushing yards on 48 attempts but hendon hooker continues to be really good um, Pitt's offense continues to be really bad against teams that have competent defenses and Virginia Tech certain, certainly qualifies. So, yeah, I mean, it'll be, you know, I, I ranked Pitt last week. Um, I probably should have known better, but well, but like they're on paper, they make sense. Right. But then when you watch their games, it's like this wild roller coaster um, that makes you want to throw up and feels like it's going to break the whole time. Um and at the end, you're like, that is a great analogy. And at the end, you're like, why did I do this? Like, this was unnecessary. I didn't need to ride this roller coaster. And that's that's pit football. So, um, and yeah, we know what Virginia Tech's doing right now. They look really good. And um, one of the hotter teams in the country. I'll be kind of surprised if they're not, if they don't crack the college football top 25 this week. But we'll see. Um, yeah, I mean, they might be in that, you know, 23 to 25 range, uh, you I, know, just in there, but towards the bottom. Um, right. But, you know, I, I mean, it's entirely possible. And, you know, it's funny. Again, y'all know, run state of the U. I'm a Miami alum, everything. So there's a little bit of an orange and green tilt for me. But this time last week, coming off of the bye, we were evaluating scenarios through which Miami yeah. could get to the Orange Bowl. No, I mean, our, my last guest on this podcast, Joe Giulio, was talking about how he thought, like, if Virginia Tech couldn't crack that top 25, like, if they got blown out by Clemson or whatever, mm -hmm. like, that the, the Orange mm -hmm. Bowl would absolutely take Miami. Um, I mean, if Miami had won out and was eight and right. four, you know, in that group of teams. Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, that's completely off the table now. But, like, it, you know, it's funny what we can do. Yeah. In this league, especially, it's crazy. Um, that's <laughs> nuts. Um, Mercer, North Carolina, um, that game played out pretty much exactly how I thought. North Carolina finally plays a game that's not decided in the fourth quarter. Uh, Sam Howell sets the ACC freshman touchdown record, true freshman, I believe, touchdown record with uh, 32 passing touchdowns and probably could have had like, we, there was a joke going around on Twitter that he probably could have passed Deshaun Watson's record of, I believe it was 41 if he had stayed in. Um, <laughs> but obviously they didn't need him to do that. Um, it, Mercer had one of the worst defenses in FCS. So you knew, you knew that was going to go poorly. And uh, one poor drive aside for North Carolina's defense, they, they played pretty well. And yeah, I mean, that's, it went about how we thought it was going to go. Really. It was just a rain heavy senior day for them. And um, it was still a, it was a sellout, but I, I don't think a lot of the people that got tickets showed up because it was a very miserable day around here. On Saturday. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, yeah, you know, it, it, it's what you should do with an FCS team. You know, you just go out there and handle your business, you know, hit a couple deep shots, which, you know, Sam Howell is very proficient at. I'm interested to see where the North Carolina offense goes, not like the rest of this year, but in the future, because... For sure. They return a lot. They return a lot for one, but having obviously watched them when they played Miami and a couple other games as well, when they dial up deep shots, he's a different person. Yeah, like it's seen, like you, I mean, he's like okay, he's a good player. He'll you know hit his intermediate throws, his checkdowns. You know, he'll move around a little bit. But when they dial up something vertical, Sam Howell, it's just like you know, I don't know, it's, it's like the Mario invincibility star. You know, you say ding 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 ding. I mean, because he just stands there, and that ball. I mean, like it. You just watch him the next time that he throws something short, and the next time he throws something deep, it looks like a different person, and. You know, we'll see yeah. how much they're able to still do that uh, and see if they can get that kind of confidence on the rest of his game, because obviously he's playing very well. His ceiling has to be very high. But if he can continue this you know, performance and grow from here, they might be cooking with, you know, fish. Yeah, and I'll be interested to see what Phil Longo's offense looks like um, when they get a little bit of quarterback depth, because right now they just don't feel I mean, they've got a walk on behind him. They can't. They can't afford to let him right. use his legs really right now because there's nobody behind him. So uh, they they I'll be curious to see like at the beginning of the year, their offense looked a little better and more dangerous when he could run it a little bit. And that was more of an option. But now that's really not. And I think defenses know that and it's made them a little more limited. So I'll be curious to see what it looks like when they're able to um, use that a little bit more too as an option. But yeah, they did what they needed to do. No fourth quarter game. And now uh, just got to win next week at NC State. And we'll see. We'll see if they can get to a bowl. Um, I, I didn't think they had any chance of getting to a bowl at the beginning of the season, no matter how they looked, honestly, because of their schedule. So 
Um, credit to them that they're even in this position because like their schedule was ridiculous. Like this was the only game, in my opinion, that I looked at before the season. And I'm like, oh, they're going to win that game. That's it. I mean, even at Georgia Tech, like because it was so early and you didn't know what Carolina would look like at that point. I was just like, I don't know that that's a guarantee. Um, and yeah, I mean, they've they've done what they needed to do. Um, and speaking of surprising records, that gets us to Syracuse at Louisville. Um, it was a, I was a little surprised Syracuse scored as much. I guess they've sort of found their offense in the last couple weeks. Um, which, you know, to be fair, like they left plenty, <laughs> they left plenty of points around like under various objects to find in the, in the preceding weeks before that. Um, but Louisville continues to look really good. 56 to 30. God, that's like their like third or fourth 50 point game, right? At least. Louisville can score, man. You know, and like that's, that's why Miami had to score so much against Louisville two weeks ago, because, you know, that was one where, you know, they're just still hitting shots like over and over and over again, you know, like they, you know, they have speed, obviously, you know, they got a couple of Florida guys and Javian Hawkins and Tutu Atwell, uh, you know, who were out there, you know, they have a, another couple of good players, uh, skill position players, their left tackle, Makai Beck, so is just absolutely enormous. And he's amazing also. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, you know, developing quarterback play, obviously they're on their third quarterback of the year, but I think he might be the best one of those three who have played. Um, you know, moving forward, but yeah, they, and, uh, what's that coach? Um, Scott, he was Satterfield, yeah. Satterfield, man, listen, Satterfield can coach. And I know that the last two times that Miami's played him, it was at App State, beat him 45 to 10. And it was, you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, in hard rock and, you know, hung up 52 to 25 or, or 27, whatever it is. But man, that guy can coach. They're a, they're a much, much, much better team than last year, which completely quit on Bobby Petrino. Um, and yeah, they, they're going to put points up on the board. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and you saw them, you know, get right a little bit um, last or uh, this weekend uh, against, uh, you know, a Syracuse team that, you know, Eric Dungy should have probably, I guess, been the ACC MVP because I mean, he left Syracuse <laughs> and everything fell apart. Yeah, it was like the Lamar Jackson effect a little bit where, I mean, you you, you award him yeah. like a retroactive Heisman because, you know, you look at what the team did after he left and you're like, oh, oh, oh my. Like, wow, you, right, you covered exactly. up a lot. Yeah, like, oh, we beat, you know, Clemson two years ago and then like took them to the brink again the year after that and, you know, pushing for nine wins with a bowl win and like, you know, all the accomplishments and then you're gone. You're like, oh, that was what you were covering? Oh, wow. Okay, well, we need to go back and kind of retroactively uh, take another look at what you did or what you meant to this program. But yeah, I I did not expect Syracuse to, to fall off like that. But, you know, I guess that is, like I said, a testament to, to Eric Dungey and what he did and meant to them. I'll be honest, though, I'm a little I'm intrigued for both of their games next week. Uh, Syracuse playing Wake. Uh, we're going to get to that game. Wake is a little little banged up and a little vulnerable. And, and Syracuse does seem to be finding its footing, sort of. But it's all relative, of course. And then, you know, Louisville playing against Kentucky. You know, what can they do against them? I don't think that's a game any of us assume they would win at all. But it's, it's certainly right there for them right now. So um, I'm intrigued to see how that game plays out for sure. Both of their games, honestly, because yeah. Um, and that'll get us to our last game of the night. Duke at wake. Again, I watched this for work. Um, <laughs> I love the disclaimer like, on those. I mean, because, like, no, I, I had to watch it for work. Well, listen, I watched almost all of Carolina Mercer and then that, and I was just sitting here like, Oh my God, I don't, I can't like for various reasons. Right. It's like, I can't watch anymore of this, but actually Duke wake ended up being surprisingly compelling. Um, if only because I, I, I did think Duke would probably throw some things out there in this game. I mean, this is one of those games where they needed to make something happen and, and you knew they would pull out some things. And um, the only, I mean, Wake Out gained them 618 to 290. Sheesh. And it was a 12, it was, it was a 12 point game. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. Well, I mean, special teams. happen when you have two touchdown returns as I'm looking on the four sheet yep. here. So, wow. That, man. Yeah, that's an that's an insane difference. Um, uh, Philia Johnson, I didn't know who he was before this week, so uh, he was great for Duke. Multiple return touchdowns. Um, uh, look, you know, I, I assumed they would lose to Miami before. I'm probably not assuming anything now. I still think they're going to lose to Miami, but um, you know, 
it's less of a foregone conclusion than it was two days ago. I get it. And interestingly enough, um, Duke is one of those teams that if they get to five, they have that APR exemption right there for them because they're, I believe, number two nationally in APR. Oh, yeah, right. Um, so if they get to five, they're getting a bowl. Um, and that's that's their fifth right there is is Miami if they can get it. But um, I, I still somehow doubt it. Um, but they did. I mean, they looked better. I guess, but you know, Wake is like I said, Wake's coming back to earth a little bit. Uh, they're going to run a ton of plays, which they did. Because um, interestingly enough, even though they outgained them by like over 300 yards, the yards per play differential was 6.8 for Wake to 5.4 for Duke. So, you know, <laughs> well, yeah, because Wake ran 91 plays as right. I look in the scoreboard right now. Like, yeah, that's yeah, exactly. So it, it's a little bit of volume shooting. They're one of those teams that like I love to look at yards per play as opposed to total yards as a more indicative metric. But Wake Wake messes right. me up on that routinely because that's just what they do. They just want to run a ton of plays and and get what they get. And uh, Jamie Newman got a little dinged up, but he came back, and that was good to see. Because I was sitting here like seriously, like I'm so tired of seeing all of these great players in the ACC and quarterbacks at that get hurt. Like no more of this, please. Um, so thankfully he was fine. Um, Kendall Hinton had a great game and you know, <laughs> Duke, Duke tried. I, I don't know what Duke. I have no idea what Duke's going to do. They've been terrible at home actually. Oh, um, that's been a thing for them routinely, um, especially in, in big spots. So that you got that going for you. <laughs> I mean, look, uh, every team it, it has bucked convention when they played Miami. So I fully expect Duke to come out and, uh, you know, be up. I don't know what, 13 to three at the end of the first quarter, maybe, or something like that, you know, 10 to three. Um, yeah, if they've been that bad, then, you know, I'm fully expecting the opposite of that. So, you know, we'll see what happens. It'll be great. It'll be fun. Tune in. Yeah. I mean, I want to get you out of here on this, but is this the, is this like, is this just the Jaron Williams, like learning experience? Is this just taking his lumps or is this like, is this cause for concern for you? Like moving forward, is this something he can learn from and like, Okay, you, you got to learn not to do that kind of stuff, or is this just big picture? This isn't the guy for you. It is both a learning experience and cause for concern. Um, okay, fair. You know, because, I mean, again, it's, it's been so bad when it's been bad. You know what I mean? And have, no, you're right. I mean, against uh, Georgia Tech, it was terrible. Against Virginia, well, he didn't really play that game. Uh, but, you know, Virginia Tech was bad. FIU no, it was, real was bad. terrible. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oof. And for me, and I've, it's been about this team also, but obviously you have extra eyes on the quarterback position. It's a, it's a singular position in sport in this, in this way. But the, the variance of his performance, the inconsistency is maddening. I mean, you literally set records last time you're out there, you know, dancing on the field, six touchdowns, this, that, and the third. And then you can barely muster a scoring drive until the fourth quarter against FIU the next time out again after a bye week. How are the, what? Like, no, no, no. I mean, it's just, it's such a disconnect. So um, it is for him, but also this team, it is a cause for concern. And, and to me, this one is not a learning experience. This one is so bad that it, it goes beyond that pale. It's not just because the North Carolina game where, you know, you miss a couple plays early, you turn the ball over one too many times and you lose by three. That to me is a learning experience when you find. And he had some nice moments in that exactly. game. Yeah. So you can rely on the nice moments there. Say, OK, you know, if if you did this one or two or five things differently, it was a shorter list. This is FIU, man. You found a way to play down yeah. to and below the level of FIU. Like that's not, yeah, I, I, yeah, no, this one is not just a learning experience for me. This is a cause for concern for everybody. But when you pile it up with the other four losses, because Miami now has five losses this year, all of that. Yeah. You're going to learn from everything. But this one, this is where the alarm bells start to go off and start flashing for me and saying, oh, hey, wait, this could be a problem. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. I really do want to see how he recovers and bounces back and learns in that kind of a way. But no, we're on like red alert for everybody. I right tweeted now. this out too, but it reminded me of how different the ACC culture is as opposed to like the SEC where the SEC would be like, oh man, you know, you ruined our reputation with this bad out of conference loss. Whereas the ACC fans were, are just very much like bathing in the Schadenfreude, you know, like. <laughs> oh man. 
Look, all the FSU fans, like in the mentions and everything, <laughs> they're loving. But it wasn't just them. Oh, no, no, no. It, it was definitely not. I mean, obviously, I see more of them than others, but oh, it was everybody who was just like, oh, wait, what? Miami did, huh? Ha! And then like, everybody starts laughing. And I'm like, your team got blown out. They're like, yeah, but you lost to FIU. And I'm like, that is an accurate statement. And I have no, <laughs> uh, you know, controverting evidence. So you know, I just had to be here and sit here and just pretty much take it i even had ucf fans coming into my mentions what oh they're very they're very chirpy you know that yeah but i just hit the mute button so i'm sure that they're yelling off into you know the space of spambodia somewhere on twitter but i won't see it (laughs) yeah it's just it's funny to me like it's a very different culture in this league um and i don't think it's a bad thing don't get me wrong because a lot of people were like well it's good i'm like well i know i'm not saying it's bad it's just an observation like it's 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 just weird because like I do think the college football playoff and the way it's structured and everything like that has sort of almost made it so that you almost have to root if your team matters you almost like have to root for other teams in your conference which is stupid right but I was I was kind I was kind of struck by how many Clemson fans too were trying to get it they were like we don't care about anybody else in our league um beyond like how they affect us and it's like well no you shouldn't you know, yeah, I mean, well, they're they're so high up on the top of Valhalla right now. Like, I mean, they're just looking down through the clouds like, oh, wow, all these mere mortals are down there, like fighting against each other and dealing with all these things. Anyway, Zeus, can you pass me some more? You know what? I mean, just like, you know, manna from heaven. I mean, yeah, they're they're in a rarefied. They're in a different space than everybody else. I mean, in theory, like every ACC fan should root for Clemson because like that's that money. I mean, yeah, but they don't really see it that way, which is fine. You know, I get that. Like. That's that's whatever. Most of these other teams aren't spending that mo- money in a way that really benefits them. So like, why am I going to be rooting? For I mean, because it's going to be there. That's fine. Like, sure, it's like numbers on paper, but like, if we're not using it to get better, like, what does it matter? That's a great point. I mean, I still remember like the controversy with Wake not that long ago, where it was like, if you're not going to use money to spend to make your program better, what are we even doing? Um, but. They've definitely gotten better about that. All right. Well, I'm going to get you out of here. Um, I appreciate you giving me all the perspective. And I know that it sucks to talk about and everything else, but um, you definitely helped me make a little bit of sense out of it. And, I mean, um, I don't, it was I don't know you can make sense out of <laughs> nonsense, but I, you really can't. Yeah, <laughs> I did my best. So, hey, we'll see. Is it worse that it's Butch, too? Yes. And he's a piece of crap. And to sit out. I, <laughs> but I mean, like, honestly, so they're faking injuries and everything to slow down Miami's offense. Look, it's a th- Oh, big it's time. a thing that happened. I'm not saying it's the reason that Miami lost. It's clearly not. Like I, we went this whole entire time. But then after the game, to be asked about it and say, "Oh, well, no, those are valid injuries," and like we didn't uh, cheer or we didn't like boo or whatever when DJ Dallas Miami starting running back broke his arm and dislocated his elbow, and I'm like, "You're gonna equate literal faking injuries to a guy snapping his arm and his elbow popping out." Like, how are those equatable? Like, he's- no, I was curious how you felt about Butch because, like, I know um, obviously he coached at North Carolina. My husband still has loyalty to North Carolina. He's still, and plenty of other North Carolina fans still have like this. I mean, obviously, Mac being back helps a lot, but like, there's still this like weird, like, fawning and like this attachment to Butch. And I know some, some Miami fans probably feel that way as well, but does not seem like you're one of them. <laughs> Lots of them do. I am not one of them at all by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. Yeah, I, I get it. Um, he was definitely an interesting character to cover when he was here. I'll just, uh, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to get you out of here. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, I'll see everybody later in the week. Say bye podcast. Bye podcast.